Why do y'all just laugh? I didn't even say anything, and y'all just started laughing at me. I have feelings. Just kidding. I don't have feelings. So um, we have, in exactly four Sundays from today, we have uh, three services starting. Did y'all hear about that? Oh, so y'all know. Um, please let us know. It takes 28 people to run one of our services, uh, volunteers across the board. So please let us know if you can volunteer. If you're not already, if you are already, let us know. I'm sure they've talked to you, but let us know what you can do. So um, next Sunday is probably going to be the best and easiest Sunday. You know how there's people that come to church, and I hope it's not you in here, just for your sake, not for my sake, because I don't mind being offensive as you will soon see. Um, But there are people that come to church on Christmas and Easter. You know, Christmas and Easter. They're CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. So... um, so they, they, they just use that. Time. So next week is probably going to be the easiest time for you to say to your family members or friends or whatever, hey, um, come to church with me. Next week is probably going to be the easiest one. So I will preach a nice, friendly, beautiful, fluffy message. <laughs> and it's going to feel good. However, that being said, and actually Christmas Eve will probably be similar, but that being said, um, This week is not that. It's very distinctly, abruptly not that. Um, So today, uh, I I truly believe if you will listen to what the Lord is saying to you today, you will be offended at yourself for living the way you've lived up to this moment. So just just a little little preamble there. Um, So let's do a little culture update. There was another... Republican debate, Republican primary debate this week, and uh, oh, poor Nikki Haley. If any of you saw like highlights or whatever, she got towed up. Like it was not pretty. Um, uh, they're all looking for like a position in, in the future cabinet of possibly if a Republican administration. So um, is anyone looking forward to the presidential debates? It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry. Thanks, Wyatt. Appreciate it. He is not looking forward to it. Wasn't even alive when the last one's happened, but he's not looking forward to the next one. Um, but so, uh, the, anyway, there, there won't be a debate for it. Can you imagine if it was, though? be very entertaining. Um, also, I, I, didn't, I didn't put this in my notes, but um, the... They're asking for, the government is asking for more money to send to Ukraine to fund that war. Um, and so the, because the Republicans are in charge of the House right now, they're in slight control of the House right now, um, they said, we're not going to give you any money for Ukraine unless we do something about our southern border. So you're like, yay. They should have, that should not even be a thing, okay? So um, because of, they said, well, we're not going to get do anything about the southern border, so too bad. And so the defense secretary, Lloyd, Lloyd Austin, said to members of Congress that we'll send your uncles, cousins, and sons to fight in Russia then. Who do they think they are? Like they're going to send our kids to go fight in a war that has absolutely nothing to do with us. I just think we're in a, in a a really rough spot in our our country's leadership, and so we need to be praying that God would move on our behalf, right? 
All right, so um, the, the last little bit of culture news update I want to give you is uh, I want to just kind of brag on our volunteers. The volunteers here at church on Friday night, if you volunteer here and you didn't come Friday night and you missed the Christmas party, you really missed out. That is what I imagine that heaven is going to be like. Everybody's sitting around and everywhere I looked, mostly except where Todd was sitting, I, I wanted to go and talk to them. And I wanted to just be like, I wanted to hug them. I just feel like I, I could sit there and talk to them all day. And like, it's just, that's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to look around and be like, oh, my homie. And you're going to go over and talk to them. And you're going to look, oh, look, another friend. And you're going to just want, and that's what, like, that's what our volunteers are. They're just all these people that are like-minded and they have the same heart and they, and they just, they love the Lord and they love each other and they're plugging into church and doing it the way you're supposed to do it. Now, our church has become a place where people who have been disenfranchised by other churches, they come here and then they're like, these people are different. And in a good way, they say it in a good way, okay? Um, but they're like, we don't, look guys, I don't say that we got it all down and we're, we're getting everything right, but we love each other. Like we have that. We're a bunch of misfit toys that just, we love each other. And maybe... You've, maybe you're somebody that's never volunteered at a church. You don't even know what that is, what that's like. Uh, come and join us and see. You'll, you'll find something that is entertaining at, at, at worst, okay? But I think most of you probably have volunteered at another church, and maybe it didn't go well for you. Maybe you were taken advantage of. Maybe they used you. Maybe they abused you. Maybe they spoke, spoke down to you. Um, whatever the situation was, give us a shot. Like, come and volunteer, plug in, and just come alongside of us and see what happens. I can tell you this. We will never ask you to do something that we aren't doing ourselves. I will never ask you. None of y'all get to take out the trash because I do it. I get to do that. I don't ask anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to do. Like, if... if most of you, like there's only maybe two or three of you that have ever mopped this floor because I'll do it or Jessica will do it. And we have a couple of other people that are, that are in our leadership team that'll do it. So fine. You, we don't ask you to do something that we don't want to do. We only ask you to do something, come alongside of us and serve with us and, and do it with us. So anyway, that's, that's what we're about. Y'all with me? Yep. We're in a series called Songs of Life. Worships, I mean, uh, Christmas songs are really worship songs. And I remember when that hit me, it hit me all at once. I was like, wait a minute, I'm singing about Jesus. And now I love Jesus. Before, I was singing about loving Jesus long before I loved Jesus. And I, I didn't realize it. So today's song is Away in a Manger. Y'all like that song? It's beautiful. It was first published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in 1885. There is some controversy about who actually wrote the lyrics. I'll let you catch up on that. Okay. <laughs> who actually wrote the lyrics. Some, uh, many people believe it was Martin Luther, the, the father of the Great Reformation. Um, but the, that whole thing is kind of lost to history. No one really knows. But it is a beautiful song about Jesus being born and God stripping himself of his glory and being like birthed in the lowest of places, showing that none of us are too low for his grace. And so what I really want you to focus on today is there's one line of the song. Where the whole sermon is about one line of the song. And that one line is the little Lord Jesus. My prayer is that you would allow that phrase to not just be a lyric, 
but to be a call to action and a realignment of your entire existence. When we talk about baby Jesus, see, there's people that pray to baby Jesus. Sweet Lord, baby Jesus. Sweet eight pounds, six ounce with your little golden fleece diapers. There's so much more to what God intended the lordship of Jesus Christ to be. Jesus is Lord. 740 times in the New Testament, it says that Jesus is Lord. He is referred to as Lord. And this is a phrase that was spoken by early Christians. See, they didn't always say this, but in Rome, they had this famous like governmental propaganda phrase that said, Caesar is Lord. And so when Christians would come along and they would say, they would greet each other with Jesus is Lord, people would walk up and they would say, Caesar is Lord. And then the Christians would be like, no, 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 Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. This is, this is political. I wonder if people in the early church were looking and being like, look, why do we have to be so political at church? Like, why do you always have to talk about politics when you're saying Jesus is Lord? It is it is a political statement. For them, it was. You, you have to read, look, the Bible, was written, the Bible was written for us, but the Bible wasn't written to us. Do you understand that? Like, so we have to, in order to understand what the Bible is actually saying, we have to go to that time and figure out what's happening in that culture so that we can understand. So the phrase, Jesus is Lord, is a political phrase that they're combating Caesar is Lord, because Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. So when people come and say to me, can you just not talk about politics? Just, just preach the gospel. I have a very easy answer for you. No. No, no. Um, what happens when, when society comes into my lane and they start talking, when society starts to dictate theology and they start to say, look, we'll tell you what marriage is about. No, 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 no. The, the Bible says what marriage is about. We'll, we'll tell you about gender. No, the Bible defines gender. God made them male and female. God, God says what is. And whenever society comes in and tries to come in my lane, I'm going to address it. I cannot ignore it. I will not ignore it. And not only will I address it, but I will correct it and say, no, no, this is what the word says. I will not ignore it for worry that some people might get offended and uncomfortable. If you're offended and uncomfortable, that means you're on the wrong side of truth. So, or you're living in your feelings. Not a good place to be. So I'm not worried about if people are not at peace and they're offended. Jesus said, do not think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That last one was easy to do. And... <laughs> And one's foes will be the members of one's own household. So you might think, uh-oh, this is going to be one of those sermons. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We have, uh, we're approaching our final descent in 2023. So please stow away all of your distractions. Please put your seats back to their upright, your trays back to their upright position. And put anything that may be a distraction under the seat back under the seat in front of you, and you're going to be confronted. So please get mad at me, and then very quickly get mad at yourself. Luke 2. 
again in context. The shepherds were watching the flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This is news that they had all been watching and waiting for. The Savior is coming. And they had in their mind the idea of what that looks like. When the Savior comes, he's going to come like a warrior, like a king. And he's going to come in and he's going to defeat the Romans. And he is going to deliver us. And we're going to reign forever. However, God's plans are not like our plans. God actually, he, on Christmas Eve, I'm going to show you how God literally hid his plan from the enemy. He did it in a much different way. And he hid the plan from the enemy so that the plan could, take, could actually happen. Because imagine if the enemy knew that that baby was the savior of the world, he would have let that baby live forever. He wouldn't have killed him. He would, have, he would have made sure that that man Jesus lived forever, but he didn't because they thought they were defeating the king and, uh, and it, it worked perfectly the way the Lord wanted it to work. So he hid that from the enemy and, it's, and Christmas Eve is gonna be great. It's gonna be really nice and fluffy and wonderful, like cotton candy. It's gonna taste so good. So um, he says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. At the very beginning of the story, it is established that Jesus, the Son of God, is born. He is the Savior of the world. He is Christ the Lord. And the big question that I want you to deal with today is what does that mean to us? What does it mean that Jesus is our Lord? What does it mean in my marriage? If Jesus is Lord, what does that mean in my marriage and the way that I interact with my spouse? If Jesus is Lord, what does that mean I do with my money? How does that interfere with what I want to do with my money? If Jesus is Lord, what does that have to do with my job? What does that have to do with my parenting? Jesus being Lord, what does that have to do with my friendships or my future? The word Lord is kurios. And kurios means supreme in authority, controller, Lord. Controller. The problem here, Jesus being controller is one of the most difficult things for us because we want to be in control, right? Are y'all with me here? We want to be in control. Like you would say, I know the plans I have for me, saith me. <laughs> plans to prosper me and not harm myself. Plans to give myself a hope and the future that I have planned. The list of ideas of how things are supposed to happen and how things are going to happen, we have our own way in our own thoughts, in our own plans. Jesus is Lord means Jesus is in supreme, he is supreme in authority and he is the controller, truly the only one who is actually in control of anything. Because you think you're in control, how often do your plans go perfectly? Yeah, see, it's crazy. You know your plan's not gonna work. Like you wake up in the morning and say, all right, this is what I'm gonna do today. You know it's not gonna work but you're still gonna go and try to do it and it's not gonna work. You're gonna fail and you're still, look, I'm telling you that right now and you know this right now and you're still gonna try to do it your way. You're still gonna try to make your plans work. To actually align the truth correctly, we need to understand something about Jesus being Lord. This may seem like a semantics thing, like a small thing, but the further you dig into this idea that, that we don't make Jesus Lord, God made Jesus Lord. 
So we're not actually making Jesus anything. He is already Lord. So we don't make him Lord. What we do is we surrender to his lordship. He is already Lord. We surrender our lives to his lordship. We surrender to the one who is the supreme in authority. We surrender to the one who is really in control. So let's talk about surrendering to the lordship of Christ. How do we do it? There are three levels of surrender. Really, really, there's only one level of surrender, but I'm going to say there's three levels of surrender. The first one is no surrender at all. Zero surrender. That's not really a level of surrender, but I'm going to put it there because if I didn't, y'all would be like, what about zero? So <laughs> that level of surrender is like, I'm in the driver's seat. I am the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want to do. You know, in American Christianity, you were sold this idea that you're in control. You get to pick what you do. You have free will, so therefore you can do whatever you want to do. And God loves you just like you are. Do you remember that show, uh, Touched by an Angel? Every single time when she revealed herself as an angel, she's like, God loves you and he wants you. Okay, yes, God does love you. He loves you so much that he wants to change you. You're perfect just the way you are. No, you're not. So the zero surrender thing is, I remember whenever I was in camp when I was a teenager and I said that prayer, I recited the magic spell prayer of, I, he said, repeat after me, and I repeated after him, and now I'm going to heaven. But I can keep living my life the same way I've been living it, and I'll keep getting what I've been getting. That's not a level of surrender. That's nothing. You're, you're doing nothing. That magic spell did not save you. And if that's, that's the extent of your Christianity, listen, you are not on your way to heaven. You do not have a relationship with Jesus. You are not saved from hell if, if the extent of your relationship with God it was reciting the magic spell of just repeating after somebody and nothing changed. If nothing changed for you, you do not have a relationship with God and that should terrify you in this moment. That's the first, zero surrender. The second one is the partially surrendered life. I'm not gonna look at anyone in particular. <laughs> but I'm gonna say... The majority of the people in this room fall under this category of the partially surrendered life. The majority of American Christians, and I say American Christians because in other countries, there's, there's this thing called persecution. Like you think you're being persecuted when you go to Starbucks and you told them to put extra cinnamon and they just put regular cinnamon. And you're like, oh, they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. That's it. You're really tough. In other countries, intense persecution actually causes more intense devotion. And so when, they, when you're persecuted, when you're actually really persecuted, you're actually really devoted. In America, though, you don't have that going for you. You're not persecuted at all. And you're like, whoa, you don't know how they treat me at work. Oh, are they mean to you? They call you names. Wow. How do you make it? We're not persecuted here. We got it so good here. Many Christians believe in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. I want you to read that on the screen with your eyes. Read the words. Many Christians believe in God, and then they go on living their life as if he doesn't actually exist. 
you have this recipe of your life and you put Jesus as an additive in the recipe and you mix him in and you think, oh, I'm good now. Look, I got some Jesus in my life, so I'm good. I'm good. Christian, your life belongs to Jesus. Every bit of it is about Jesus. Every bit of it should be surrounded by Jesus. He should be the center of every bit of your life. And where he is not the center of your life, you are failing. That's you're adding some some extra little spice of Jesus into your life to make it taste sweet. That is not what your life should be about. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and why do you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk? This is not a game, son. This is life. Listen, guys, as we go into this next year, you're going to need to know who your Lord is. You're going to need to know, not have this like bubbly faith about, oh, I love Jesus like Ned Flanders. Like I'm talking about like real. You're gonna need to know that you know that you know who your Lord is and that he is real. And you are centering your life on the one anchor that will not move no matter what culture and no matter what society does. Many of you, if you were completely honest, would say, I believe in Jesus as Lord, but I still wanna be in control. You don't have any idea how often people come to me and they'll say the phrase, look, I need some advice. I know what the Bible says, but look, I must, let me stop you right there. And I literally, if you come to me and you say, I know what the Bible says, but I, I don't want to hear what you have to say after but. Like keep your butt to yourself, okay? I don't want to hear it. Because if you say, I know what the Bible says, but I have a different understanding, like your understanding is broken and people do it all the time. As a matter of fact, you do it. Like I know what the Bible says about, I know what the Bible says about marriage, but that's too hard. I don't need that part. I know what the Bible says about, about money, what I'm supposed to do with my, it's over here. What I'm supposed to do with my money. I know what the Bible says about that, but Mm-mm. that's, you know, my money is my business. My money's not God's business. I earn this. So I know what the Bible says about how I'm supposed to be part of a body of believers and, and every part of the body has to work together. So if I'm part of a group, I know that the Bible says, Paul said that you have to plug in to that body. And if you don't plug into that body, then none of the body functions the way it's supposed to. So I know that I'm supposed to serve as part of that body, but I got football. I got to work this week, so I don't think I can, I can do that part, Lord. Like I, I, can't, I can't really sacrifice everything for you. I know that you have a plan for my future and the word is very clear on that, but what if I just don't listen to that part? And you don't even really need this to live the Christian life that you're living, do you? Like you don't need the Bible. If you're not going to believe the whole thing, you're not going to believe any of it. Jesus says, um, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? 
Why? It's the partially surrendered life. It's just part-time. You would have your own version of the Bible, the partially surrendered version, and say, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding and some of your ways acknowledge Him and you can make your own path straight. Like you can do it on your own. Just, just do your own thing. Jesus is no part-time Lord and He's not looking for part-time followers. All He wants is what He's already paid for. That's all He wants. And He already paid for you fully and totally, every bit of you. He said, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang, out, hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If you give it away, if you surrender it, if you come under the lordship of Christ, the supreme in authority, the only one who really is in control. He is the one that says what is right and wrong. Culture does not dictate what is right and wrong. The word of God says what is right and wrong. And what we do is, is too many Christians want to treat, it, we want to treat it like, like the golden corral. You go along and you grab the pieces that you want. Oh, this part says I'm going to be blessed. I want that. This part says he's going he's gonna to heal me. Yeah, I want that. Oh, this part says give pass like nobody's going to golden corral to eat the salad <laughs> y'all aren't going to get broccoli don't lie to me you're going because it's unlimited free dessert i know why you're going you want to go and get all the sweet stuff you want to go and get all the things that taste good they're not good for you what's good for you is the things that don't taste good as a matter of fact the worst that tastes is probably the best things for you y'all heard about like corn right the, what Jesus wants is all of it. He wants all of you. If we still have to stay in, on the food thing, he wants the whole enchilada, every bit of it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say to do? What if you and I were to just take a moment, like a, a moment to reflect, just one minute to reflect and ask God, what is it, Lord, that I personally have not surrendered to you? What area of my life am I still trying to stay in control of? What area, Lord, am I just unwilling to give to you? I know that if I sat down with you and I, like just you and me sat down right this moment, this, literally this moment, and I said, do you know what that area is? I bet you 90% of the room right now, you already know what the thing is. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's, it's your future. Let's take, we're gonna take 60 seconds. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. I forgot and, Pastors say that sometimes. Let's ask the Lord sincerely. Lord, what have I not surrendered to you?
what would it look like if we as a group, we, we each individually came to a spot where we truly, honestly said and meant, I will trust God with everything. I will trust God with every part of my life. Because what we do, Christians, is we say, God, I will trust you with everything, but not my kids. Like, I, I, like I, I'll protect my kids. Like I'll trust you with everything, Lord, but that's hard for me to, to trust. I, I have a plan for my kids for their future. My, uh, my, my adopted son was a, a fantastic um, defensive end. And he was being looked at in, in high school by, he got full ride offers for multiple Division I colleges, and uh, he could have been a Longhorn. <laughs> <sighs> but that knucklehead decided to go to Bible college. I could not talk him out of it, and believe me, I tried. But I just trust the Lord with, with his future. Lord, you know better than I do. So I'll trust the Lord. Lord, I'll trust you with everything, but not my future. Because what if, if I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I'll trust you with everything, but what if, what if he tells me to fill in the blank? You know that thing that you fill in that blank with? What if he tells me to, that's the thing that he wants you to do. What if he tells me to go work in the kids? What if he tells me to be a greeter? What if he tells me to, to be on the safety team? What if he tells me to, whatever it is, guys, you have a plan and it's supposed to work exactly how you want it and, and ain't nobody got time to go work in the kids department, okay? Like, I, I trust you with everything, Lord, but my time's kind of my own thing. I'll trust the Lord with everything, but not my money. Like, my money's mine. Like, I need every penny that I make, I'm barely getting by as it is. God has enough money. Life Church has enough money. They don't need any of my money. Forget that the Lord is in a covenant with you. And he says, look, test me on this. It's the only thing in the whole Bible he says test me on. Test me on this. Like, give me the first tenth and see what if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so big that you can't contain it. And see, we think, oh, that's gonna, that means if I give, then I'm going to have loads of money come my way. That's not what that means. As a matter of fact, it's going to mean that, that the money that has been driving you no longer can drive you because you're under the lordship of Christ in every area of your life, and now he is the one that determines. And if you are truly his servant, what need do you have? It's like a soldier in the army. What need do they have? All of their needs are met. They, they don't need anything else because they're provided everything they need. If you're a soldier in his army, he'll give you everything you need. You just keep being obedient. He'll give you, he'll give you everything you need. I'll trust God with everything, but not my marriage. Okay, that's where he's crossing the line. That's where, look, the biblical model of marriage is so outdated. Like man as the head, I don't think so. I don't need no man. <laughs> like I'm the head of my home, hashtag boss babe. <laughs> like, like forget the, the mutual submission thing. Like, that's like old school. That's, that's, that will, it'll never, that would never fly in my home. Well, that's why your marriage is suffering. That's, that's the problem. 
Like if, you, if, you're, if you're not in right alignment with the Lord, and this is how it goes. Look, God is here, man is here, and woman is here. It may look like the same height, but if you get real close. It doesn't mean men look. You submit your whole life and your whole heart to the Lord, and you run after him with everything you've got, and maybe she'll submit to you. Because, you know, she's hard-headed just like you. And she is not going to get it down every day, just like you. She's going to mess up many days, just like you. But it's okay, because there's grace for that. And if you will submit your life and your heart and your mind and your will, every bit of it, to the Lord, and you'll run after Him, she will be more likely to submit to you. Because instead of you trying to fix her, why don't you just trust the Lord to do that? Hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> Women, you're not going to fix him. Run after the Lord. The Bible doesn't say that you should submit to him whenever he gets it all down and he does it all right. The Bible says you should submit to him. You want to be a godly woman? Well, what if... You think God didn't know the what ifs that you could come up with? Submit to Him. Especially when you don't want to, which is all the time. It's just when you're awake or asleep. Like, that's the only times, okay? When, when the, this is the marriage that you have two people, the man and the woman just totally messed up and they're so far from each other. But as they run to the Lord and they run after the Lord, they draw closer and closer to each other. And they're, they're mutually submitted to the Lord and to each other. And that makes a beautiful marriage. Men, if you want to know what I think the number one issue in our society is, men that don't lead their homes. Period. If that would work, that would fix probably 95% of the problems that we have in our country if men would lead well. It, your home will just work when the man steps up to lead and does it well. So for you, what is it that you are just not willing to surrender to the lordship of Christ? So let's talk about what it looks like to have the only real version of a surrendered life, and that is the fully surrendered life. Not the kind of Sunday Christian, not the kind of when it's convenient submitted, not the God bless America submitted, and, and you know, all of those things, but, but a full-on holding nothing back, my life does not belong to me, but it belongs to him commitment. A fully surrendered, all-in type of faith. What does that look like? My little brother is a professional poker player. When poker players are sitting at the table and they go all in, what that means is they take everything they have and they slide it into the middle and they're betting that they're going to win. And if they don't win, they are done. They go all in. And literally, you know what they do when they, when they push all their chips in? Anybody? They stand up. And the reason they stand up is because they're going to have to leave. If they, if they fail, they're going to have to go. When you go all in with the Lord... You push it all in and say, all right, Lord, we're going to look real dumb if you don't come through right now. <laughs> Both of us. You go all in with the Lord, you're saying, I'm not in control anymore. It is what it is. 
you are in control. Please give me a good card on the river. You're like, that's it. And, and I can tell you this with 1,000% certainty, when you go all in with the Lord, you have the winning hand with every part. And it doesn't always, look, it doesn't always feel like winning. As a matter of fact, the best way to, to, for it to feel like winning is if you're losing. It's this upside-down kingdom that we live in. Everything's backward. Like, in order to be great, you have to put yourself as a servant to everyone. How does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't work in the world. It works in the kingdom. And, you know, if you want to be, be great, you have to be the least. If, you, if, you, if somebody forces you to walk a mile, walk two. Like somebody slaps you in the face, give them the other side to slap two. It doesn't work in the world, and it works in the kingdom. In Romans 14, it says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. Who's alive in here? <laughs> the same thing happened in first service. Except we had six people alive in this service. So that's good. There were only four in first service. If we live, we live to honor the Lord. The Lord, kurios, the supreme in authority, the one who is in control. We live to honor him. And if we die, we die to honor him. Who do we belong to? If you're a disciple, you belong to the Lord. That's it. You belong to him. The scripture says that we, if, if we belong to the Lord, I mean, if we are alive and we are Christians, we belong to the Lord. If we are dead and we are Christians, we belong to the Lord. Our life is not our own. We surrender to his lordship. Whenever I was 19 years old, I decided that I was going to trick Jessica into marrying me. And so I saved up. And look, 19, I was making, brace yourselves, bank at Chick-fil-A, okay? I was making, they paid me this every single hour, $5.75. You're like, what did you do with all that money, Randy? I saved. I saved for a while, and I bought, I sa saved and sacrificed, and I bought a ring so that I could ask Jessica to marry me. And so this was a major, major, I bought the best ring that a 19-year-old making $5.75 an hour at Chick-fil-A could, 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 uh, could buy, and I sacrificed, and I bought it. How much did that ring cost Jessica? Zero. It cost her absolutely nothing. It cost me everything. It cost her nothing. When she received the gift, however, what did it cost her? Pfft, cost her everything. It cost her way more. <laughs> way more than she, like if we asked her today, was it worth it? No, it was not worth it. <laughs> Redo. <laughs> like, but we're not going to ask her, okay? When she received, when she received the gift, it cost her everything. Jesus shed his blood and died for you, and he offered you the availability of a gift that will cost you nothing but cost him everything. And then it's by grace that you are saved. And it's, it is through faith, not by works, so no man can boast. It is the gift of God given to you. Salvation costs you nothing, and it costs Jesus everything. When you say yes to Jesus, you no longer own the rights to your life. 
You freely give up your rights. You belong to him. You surrender to his lordship. Your life is no longer your own. You are no longer the controller of your life. That, that American Christianity that you've been sold, that you still get to pick what you do and where you go, that, that is a lie. You do not get to pick if you are a sold-out believer. If you are, if you are someone who, are a, who is a disciple of Jesus, you don't get to control where you go. He does. And he is the only one that gets to say what you do and where you go. And we take this casual approach. Interesting. The saints go marching one by one. So we take this, this casual approach to Jesus where, do y'all remember those shirts that came out a few years ago that all the celebrities were wearing that said, Jesus is my homeboy? Like, Jesus is not a homeboy. Like Jesus, people, people pray and they're still praying to sweet Lord baby Jesus, that eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. And, that, and they, they take this really casual approach. You know what the problem with the casual approach to Jesus is that when Jesus is your homeboy, and you hit a wall, and you come, like, things start crumbling down around you, you don't call to your homeboy, homeboy, come save me. No, you don't even call, because homeboys don't come, around, come along and save you. Like, you have to have a Lord. A Lord will come along and save you. A Lord, the one that is in control, can come and he can, he can work your situation around and do a miracle in your situation that only he can do, and he can make it work. Jesus is no longer the baby in the manger. Jesus is no longer on a cross dying for our sins. Jesus is the soon returning, conquering, reigning, ruling, supreme in authority, coming back with a sword with the name written on it that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he means business. Look, too many Christians, even in here, have been playing church and attending, but you don't have a Lord. Don't just say, Lord, Lord, and then do whatever you want. He is supreme, ruling, and reigning. He is on the throne of heaven. He is the king of the universe. And our lives, if you're a Christian, no longer belong to us. They belong to him. So you can say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In all of your ways, in everything, acknowledge him. The word for acknowledge means to know. In all your ways, know him. The reason so many people don't surrender to him is because they don't actually know him. You all know about Jesus. Everyone knows about Jesus. And that's why everyone thinks they're perfectly fine with Jesus because they know about Jesus. To know him, to truly know him is to love him. To truly know him is to trust him with every part. To know him is to surrender to him because when you know him, when you know that he is ever present, when you know that he is all knowing and all powerful, he is good in every way, that he is holy and he is reigning as a ruler and the king of the universe. When you know these things, that he's not some far away God that is all powerful but from far away, when you know that he is God with us, Emmanuel, 
When he is, next week our song is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. <laughs> next week's going to be great. It's nice and fluffy and comfortable. When you really understand that, that he is God with us, it's all about relationship. They asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, what's the most important command? And he said, it's, it's relational. It's a relational command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's like, so the most important command is that he is fully Lord over everything in your life. The most important command is that you are fully committed. I can tell you, it's not a thing that you did a long time ago. You made a commitment to follow the Lord a long time ago. Nobody cares about what you did a long time ago. What are you doing today? What are you doing now? It's the same with Jessica. 27 and a half years ago, she made a vow to be married to me. But that's not why she stayed with me. She stayed with me because we have relationship. We have this, this intimate, ongoing love relationship where we know each other and we've given ourselves to each other. We, we love each other dearly. And it's about this continuing on relationship because there's a lot more to Christianity than just checking off a box. Oh, I went to church. Check. I, I, when I went to the, I walked by the Salvation Army guy with the bell, I put some change in there. Check. I give it to church sometimes. Check. I serve in the kids sometimes. Check. I do all the, sometimes I'll even listen to worship music. Not all the time. I'm not crazy, but sometimes. <laughs> Check. Like I, I, I as, as a matter of fact, you know, I'm so Christian that sometimes when I'm with other Christians and I'm in public and we're fixing to eat, we pray. Not out loud, but I'm quietly to ourselves and check. I pray. I pray sometimes I'm in trouble. Check. You check all the boxes. The gift of eternal life may not cost you anything, but the only reasonable response is to give him everything. When you think about it, the only logical thing to do when Jesus came and gave everything for you, the only logical thing to do is to give him everything that you have, every single part. And so if, you're, if your response to him is not to give him everything and to submit to him fully and to put him as the Lord of your life, then it begs the question, do you really know him? Do you really know him? Have you really acknowledged him in all the areas of your life? Jesus said something that pertains to this, and it's some of the most haunting words in all of scripture. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Did we not serve in kids' church? Did we not come to church? Did we not tell our neighbors and our friends and our family that we go to church? Did we not do all of these things in your name? And he says to them, Depart from me. I never knew you, you evildoers. Like all of those things that you think are good, apart from him, those things aren't good. They're literally evil. You called me Lord, Lord, but you didn't do what I said. There's a big difference in calling Jesus Lord, Lord and surrendering to his lordship. He is Lord. And all you have to do is surrender to his lordship, lay everything at his feet, and be fine if you never see it again.
If he gives it back to you, and because he's good, he may, then great. If he doesn't, you didn't need it. So I'll ask you, do you know him? Do you know him in every area? Do you know him in the parts where you've been kind of holding back and keeping it to yourself? What is it that you really have to lay at his feet? Lord, we thank you so much that you're so good. We want to know you in every area, God. We want to know you in the parts that we've been holding back. We know that things haven't been working in our lives because there are things that are out of order. Lord, right now, we want to be a people that are putting things back in right order where you are the head of everything in our lives. We submit it all to you, Lord. We thank you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you.